2020 caused Heineken to have to tighten down the belt. What does it mean to be local craft beer? We give you the definitive answer. AB Embeds, newest Super Bowl ad, landed him back in court. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the podcast that lets you experience what it might be like to be an Uber driver driving two half-drunk beer geeks home after a skin full of the heavy. I'm Jeremy Jones. We hit the titty bar. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. <laughs> how, you, how you doing today, Tyler? Oh, pretty good. How are you, Jeremy? I've actually got a, uh, a strange t- uh, tale to tell you. So, um... Uh, uh, earlier this week, I may or may not have gotten into a Twitter argument with the founder of, uh, of Good Beer Hunting. What'd you do? (laughs) So... On your personal or on our page? (laughs) This shows just how much, uh, Tyler pays attention to, uh, uh, our, uh, our, our Twitter page. (laughs) This was, it's all beer actually did this, but I get... If you don't know, if you're talking to it's uh, uh, it's all beer on social media, you're probably talking to me, or you're talking to yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, no, this was it's all beer. So, <laughs> do you elaborate? Know, so, do you know uh, if you if you're a if you are a listener of this show, um, you know that I have this pet conspiracy theory right it goes back to uh the super bowl commercial a couple years back the corn syrup fiasco where um budweiser also added the nutritional facts onto bud light they really did it but jeremy's tin hat okay but i mean it has been my theory for a while that this was either the first step or positioning they were doing this for no other reason then to at some point be able to uh, uh, push regulation or even legislation in order to uh, uh, force uh, um, uh, other breweries, including craft beer, to do similar things, and thus raise the, bar- the barrier to entry and uh, and and uh, uh, make it harder for new breweries to join the industry or survive in the industry. Um, it's a it's a bit tinfoil hat and um, uh, a bit. <laughs> It's hey, you know what? I I still say the but uh, the the uh, the idea is sound. But uh, Michael Kieser, um, the uh, uh, one of the founders I thought it was of, Kaiser or Kaiser is it Kieser or Kaiser? Kaiser probably I think Kaiser. It's Kaiser. Michael Kaiser. Um, uh, uh, so I so uh, uh, it was actually a uh, a a thread that uh, pertained to what we were talking about last week, the exploding cans. Um, okay, that you had issues with. <laughs> but I posted something snarky about AB InBev just waiting for something like this to happen so they could come in and, and regulate. And uh, Michael Kaiser uh, um, uh, responded to me with this very nice, but basically saying, no, idiot, uh, AB InBev is not <laughs> trying to, trying to, uh, uh, to, to, they don't, they don't care that much. They're not, they're not trying to uh, conspiratorially uh, regulate craft beer. Um, this, uh, uh, um, at first I was like, well, first I was, you know, I was being snarky back. And then I actually looked at who it was who was uh, responding to me. <laughs> 
at which point in time I was gonna try like like uh, uh, gently back away from the uh, uh, from the discussion, but uh, he he kept in, so we kept this discussion going over the the, the for two days. Oh, Jeremy! <laughs> it just ended this morning. <laughs> It was actually, you know, it was a fun debate, and you know, uh, uh, while he while he still does not believe that they're trying this, he goes, "I I see where you're coming," and you know, it's not inconceivable. But he also thought I was uh, my position was that I was blaming AB InBev um, uh, for this. I'm like, no, this is I think this is craft breweries setting their own trap and walking into it, and maybe AB InBev wanting to take advantage. Yeah, but uh, if you want to see the whole thread, uh, you could you could find it on our Twitter uh, page. It's all beer one. <laughs> that was that was my last couple of days. <laughs> oh, Jeremy! <laughs> see what happens when you just leave me alone to my own devices, Tyler. What are we drinking today? Well, I'm drinking a Montucky cold snack. Getting in touch with your roots, I see. Hey, I'm not from fucking Montana. You're, yeah, but um, where, where you are from, listen, and, and every state has a uh, area of their state that can be, uh, uh, that can be labeled with the uh, Tucky. suffix Tucky. Yes. <laughs> you live in Ida Tucky or you lived in Ida Tucky. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um. I, I'm drinking a couple of beers from some Idaho breweries that uh, um, uh, that we uh, mentioned on our uh, on our uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, Rate beer um, uh, uh, gave a nod to uh, Woodland Empire for their best beer, the Chapter Five, and for uh, Grand Teton being the best brewer of two, of 2020. So I'm starting off with Woodland Empire's Neon Golden. The Chapter Five is like a special brewery only release. I could not get my hands on that. But the Neon Golden is a very nice uh, 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 Bavarian-style wheat beer, um, and it's beautiful. It's like a, it's got that like nice, warm, pillowy mouthfeel, slight uh, uh, estery, uh, spicy flavor, and goes down really smooth. Nice. Yeah, and they were voted both those for the best of Idaho in 2020. They released a full list of best breweries by country by region of the united states so it's kind of a fun list to go through uh they also talked about like best places or best bottle shops the one that won for idaho is the grapevine over in pocatello you're fucking so, kidding me the grapevine nope. in pocatello yep the grapevine in... okay i'm just gonna leave that great vine in pocatello yes Okay, I'm just gonna leave that. Nothing great is in Pocatello. They have a they have a museum of cleaning products in Pocatello. That's the highlight of Pocatello. That is not a joke. That is a thing they have there. Well, apparently they also have the best bottle shop in the state. I disagree wholeheartedly. I will fight them. I'm not saying the one I work at is the best, but I will fight them for for because uh, that that's not true. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm fighting you, Pocatello. I'm fighting the entire, the entire city of Pocatello can come here and get a thrashing. 
That's what I'm saying. As well as the founder of Good Beer Hunting, so... <laughs> no, we kind of worked out our differences, actually. I mean, I get it. It was a nice discussion. It was a lot of fun, and, you know... <laughs> we've, uh, you know, we're, we're, on, we're on good terms, you know, Michael. I, uh, you know... I, uh, I, 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 if you're I, listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler had nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You just have to slum it with us degenerates for however many episodes you've made it through. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think uh, we should get this thing started. Well, 2020 has hurt some brewery news. No. I, I know. I thought the entire brewery industry was fine. It's fine, everybody. Nothing happened in 2020. Well, so uh, CNN Business came out with an article because uh, Heineken is cutting 8,000 jobs as it's trying to maneuver itself to move beyond beer uh, and because the pandemic has hammered up its sales, really. Which was surprised me because, I mean... Uh, listen, Heineken is a is a brand that sold largely through uh, main channels. People did not stop drinking; they, in fact, were drinking more. Um, and it would kind of surprise me that uh, uh, that sales slumped for Heineken that much. It did for me too until I actually got into this article, uh, because what really hit them was the late in year pandemic force closures of bars and restaurants outside of the United States. Okay. So where a lot of like the UK market and the European market shut down later in the year and were shut down for longer. And so it really just killed their draft position, uh, which I'm assuming Heineken does a lot of draft over in Europe they do a lot of draft here too, but yeah. But so, I would imagine, um, I would imagine that is the the go to selection for a lot of uh, of uh, European bars. I don't, yeah, for those that their have volume their volume slipped by eight point one percent in twenty twenty. Um, yeah, it was a big slide for them um and so with this they estimated that by the end of january less than 30 percent of bars and restaurants were operating in europe which is their biggest market um and but so I, I guess um, i guess i would still be a little bit surprised that um that uh takeaway sales or grocery store or something wouldn't um, make up for some of that like it did here in the United States. Because I know the and, Europeans didn't stop drinking. They're incapable. No, and, of, they're genetically incapable of it. In the article, it actually talks that those sales are up, but it's those were up, just not enough to counterbalance it. So with those being up and their on-prem being down, they were still down 8.1% overall in volume. Oh, wow. So, it would have been worse if people just stopped drinking altogether. But but as I so point, pointed out, Europeans are genetically incapable of it. So, I mean, it's it's just by the grace of the gods and uh, uh, their predilection to alcohol that Heineken's a thing at all. Yeah, I mean, they posted a net loss 
for 2020 of $247.6 million. Ouchie. Compared to last year where they uh, had a profit of $2.7 billion. Whoa. They, so they went f- from plus 2.7 to negative 200 million. Yep. Ouchie. Uh, that's uh, two and a quarter uh, billion less. That's, uh, that, that's gonna, that's gonna hurt someone right in their uh, German pantaloons. So basically it was, they lost $3 billion this year. Uh, ouchie. Yeah. Um, so there's, Slash almost 10% of its global workforce, uh, which will give them a savings of about $2.4 billion over two years. Um, and it'll reduce office staff costs by about 20%. Uh, with this, they also kind of talk, you know, they've taken a huge hit uh, just with the UK pubs being closed. Um They've started to transition to some more direct-to-consumer platforms. I like the fact that it mentions UK pubs specifically and at nauseum because we need the British. The British are our lifeline. When they stopped drinking uh, at, at the pubs, uh, all hell broke loose. Well, I think this CNN business article is based out of London. Yep. Uh, because all the money is broken down in pounds first, and then it has the U.S. dollar equivalent next to it. I just like this being like a really late, late, late uh, retaliation for the Battle of Britain. Just, you know, you know, <laughs> fuck off, you wankers. You bombed us, what, nearly 60 years ago? We're not going to drink your beer and you're going to go under. Fuck you. Cheers. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was. That was like a cross between Australian, Irish, and uh, yeah. General Cockney. <laughs> uh, fuck off, you motherfuckers. I've offended the entire island now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They did talk about how their non-alcoholic portfolio is growing. They see a lot of room for growth still in there. Uh, They're also pushing into getting into hard seltzer. Um, They launched some products in the hard seltzer category in Mexico and New Zealand last year. God damn it, Mexico, New Zealand. I expected better from you, especially you, New Zealand. And Mexico, too, actually. They're getting ready to launch their new Arizona Sunrise Hard Seltzer in the United States where they partnered with the Arizona Tea Company. Oh, good. That's not a like a like an alcoholic seltzer tea. Um, kind of like Truly's doing was, right now? I was gonna, I, like Truly's. I was going to make a I was going to make a snide comment about Twisted Tea, but Truly is doing it as well. Twisted Tea yep. and Truly are owned by the same fuck company. Aren't yep. they, are, are they not? That'd yep. be Sam Boston Adams. Beer. That'd be Sam. That'd be Sam Adams. If, uh, if, if for those that aren't aware, that's right. That that uh, when you look at that uh, package of twisted tea that's been on the grocery store shelf for the past five years nonstop, and go, who the fuck would make that? Um, it's Sam Adams. Fun. <laughs> take that. Take that little fact home. Put it in your pocket and live with that, like I do. You're yep. not. The world is a little darker place. You're welcome. <laughs> they said uh, they did this strategic review, and they're trying to leverage existing strengths and new opportunities to chart their next chapter of growth. Um, I believe what uh, I found. I, oh, I, I was just saying. I was going. Uh, 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 hard seltzer tea is not a is not an avenue for growth. It's a cry for help. 
That is the corporate. <laughs> that's like the corporate alcoholic equivalent of like, uh, like taking too many pain pills and calling somebody. Well, what I found funny was the CNN article never actually talked about how they did an impairment charge towards Lagunitas. Um, that's that's the other thing that was like floating in the back of my mind. Like, uh oh, Lagunitas. Yep. How is Lagunitas? So he, <laughs> uh, I saw this tweet by Craft Insights, and it goes: Heineken took a two hundred eighty million dollar impairment charge on Lagunitas per the company's year-end 2020 release. So neither the $1 billion consolation spent on Ballast Point nor the near $1 billion Heineken spent on Lagunitas worked out too well, though Lagunitas was the more successful of the two. Well, I would... If you remember back, Ballast Point got charged back, I want to say, like... Five hundred million dollars or something like that. Yeah, if I remember correctly, that sounds about right. Over uh, multiple impairment charges. Correct. I mean, over half their value. They they tried to claim back, and I I, I mean, to Heineken's credit, I don't think they've messed with Lagunitas to the extent that Constellation did. Constellation, I believe, um, you know, from the from the uh, uh, from the outside looking in. Uh, uh, Constellation came in and was like trying to make them like a a like a, a value or not a value like a like a luxury brand like you know uh, um, and mm-hmm. trying to leverage them that way and were really interfering with what Ballast Point really was. Not to mention uh, the um, the owners of Ballast Point took their payoff, said see and ya. dip the fuck out. Um, I to my knowledge, the the founders of Lagunitas are still uh, are still. At, still major yes. players and so yes. i so the uh i feel like the difference is is that the the you know the good ship lagunitas is still being steered by the same lovable potheads that have always uh you know taken that ship into strange places as we as we have noted on this podcast 100 <laughs> percent. well i mean the lovable pothead tony is in charge of all like heineken's basically u.s craft beer i did not know so, he expended it to that does he know that is totally i don't aware know <laughs> <laughs> so i guess the big moral of the story that i saw of all this is spending a lot of money on a brewery isn't a good investment you're gonna end up recouping back some of that money by having to charge the company that because no matter, even if you get it for a gangbuster deal, it's not worth it. Um, well, I think, and even the uh, even the bigger uh, message to get out there is the uh, is every. I think there's still this lingering thought in a few people's minds. So let's crush this dream uh, under our heel. If you are thinking of starting a brewery, um, and you'll go run it, light your money on fire. Uh, if you're thinking of starting a brewery. And you'll have it for a few months, and Anheuser Busch will sweep in and give you, you know, billions of dollars for it. They are not. They are not anymore. Nobody is. Uh, nobody is uh, scooping up breweries right now. Me and Tyler have a dog shit Deadpool from last year to prove it. 
Um, yep. There is nobody snatching up anybody. In fact, I think if anything else, I think they're. I'm. I wonder if there's going to be some, uh, uh, some horse trading as far as selling off of breweries in the uh, in the near future. But uh, it's not the random cash cow it once was. So, um, you know, maybe put your money somewhere safer, like, um. I don't Bitcoin. know. Bitcoin. I was gonna say giving it a drunk to get uh, giving it to a drunk in Vegas, but yeah, Bitcoin. GameStop, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can own all of GameStop right now. <laughs> uh, that that I think that hits way too close to home for some investors right now. That there's some there are some people who uh, lost this year's Christmas money. All right, Jeremy, what do we got? More diversity in craft beer news now. Uh, we talked back in episode 57, uh, entitled Secret of Bourbon County and Mexican Beer is a Lie, uh, about a program out in Connecticut that was providing a scholarship to train one black student a year uh, to be a brewer in hopes of uh, uh, bringing more diverse voices and ideas into the industry. Um, it's a it's an effort that the BA and several breweries have been uh, really waking up to uh, last year. Um I guess stuck at home looking at their uh, old white beardy faces in the mirror long enough. They said, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta change this." Um, <clears throat> but a, a couple of breweries in Colorado are building on the same idea. Uh, this actually comes from the Five Two Eight Zero, a magazine out of Denver, and it's written by Courtney Holden. Um, Weldworks and Station Twenty Six Brewing are coming together to offer scholarships uh, to underrepresented students in hopes of uh, removing some of the barriers, uh, keeping people of color out of the industry. Um, they were uh, uh, both breweries were motivated in part uh, by the killing of George Floyd and Bianca Taylor uh, last year and the civil unrest that followed, but also just that growing realization that their industry, industry that our industry was, and I'm quoting Jake Goodman, the chief marketing officer at Weldworks, quote, a bastion of bearded white dudes in flannels. What's wrong with flannels? <laughs> He's saying there's nothing wrong with flannels. He's just saying. Let's have some other clothing options and other hairstyle options and other skin options. It's a cornucopia, Which, Tyler. Today at work, I was wearing a flannel. I have a beard and I'm a white dude. Wow, I really drove that home. I was going to say, um, <laughs> could you be more basic? Could you be more basic? I am, on the other hand, am incapable of growing a beard and I'm wearing a, a real big fish shirt. So, you know. I am the diversity this, this uh, uh, industry needs. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> they... You're whiter than my ass in the moonlight. <laughs> they... Anyway, but they uh, both brewers want to do something to really make a difference. I'm quoting, and again, I'm going to quote uh, Goodman. Uh, we didn't want to do something performative in order to tick the PR boxes. That's clearly not what's needed here. What's needed it What's needed here is sincere, authentic, sustained effort in the same uh, in the same direction for a long time. Um, to do that, Weldworks has pledged to establish a hundred thousand dollar endowment at the University of Northern Colorado by the end of 2022. Um, this will provide $4,000 scholarships for students of color with preference uh, given to those who wish to enter the brewing sciences. 
Um, nice. Meanwhile, Station 26 has put together a the For You For You For All Diversity in Craft Beer Scholarship. Uh, and that's to provide financial support uh, in the Applied Craft Brewing Certificate Program at Regis University. Uh, they've committed $10,000 toward the fund and wants to raise an, a total of $50,000. Uh, they've also posi positioned themselves as a place where students fresh out of that program can get their start in the industry. Um, Hamlet Fort um, of uh, Station 26 said, uh, we realize there's only so much we can do on a national level to affect change. Um, we, we can't, but why don't we try to affect change exactly where we can, which is in our local space? Um, and of course, I mean, the question we asked ourselves, um, you know, when we were doing the story uh, uh, about the uh, the brewery in Connecticut that was doing this, um, the question becomes, that's nice. I th it's uh, it's nice. It's positive. But is it going to affect some real change? Um, and that's uh, 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 Dr. J. Jackson Beckham, uh, the equity and inclusion partner for the Brewers Association, um, said, you know, surprise, surprise, it, this whole thing is it's kind of complicated. Um, yeah. There's no one thing keeping people of color out of the industry, but rather a multitude of factors. Education is definitely one of them. And, and removing that barrier and providing money does help move that bar a little bit. So it's, you know, uh, what they're doing in Connecticut, what they're doing here in Colorado. Um, it's, it's one piece of a greater puzzle that's got to be put together. Yeah. And I think it will help diversify the craft brewing craft brewing industry but it's going to take more and more breweries making taking this step and actually starting to try to be the catalyst for the diversity and inclusion where just these three breweries yes it'll make a small little change but as more and more start adding programs like this that's where we'll see the big change. And, and I mean, we're and we're also looking at a, a, a you know at a, a a cultural barrier and a cultural change. And I mean, as I've noted uh, um, here in Idaho, not a large black population, but a huge Hispanic population. Um, uh, and um, I uh, was working with a, a couple of guys who were hoping to uh, uh, start a brewery. I don't know where they are on that. Plans for breweries, you know, rise and fall with the tide. What can I say? But I'm still of the mind yep. that um, if you could tap into the Idaho Latino community, um, uh, it, you know, tap craft beer into that market. I mean, you've got a you've got a uh, uh, a a huge market just waiting for something to fill it. Um, yeah. All you need is like somebody that can speak to that culture, who can bring something authentic and new. Um, I was going to the... say it's got to be someone who's involved in that culture. I mean, you can't have a white dude open up uh, uh, the yeah that the uh, uh, the 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 craft brewery for uh, for Mexicans out in Caldwell. It's yeah gonna go terribly. Although I would like go to that brewery just to watch the fireworks and there would be fireworks possibly fired at the guy who, uh, who, who started <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> no, it's gotta come from, it's gotta come from inside that particular community. And then the way you, I think do that is 
uh, is stuff like this. I mean, it's slow integration. So um, bottom line, it is an industry-wide problem, requires industry-wide solutions, but uh, and the BA can help change the culture, but ultimately, ultimately it's got to come from efforts like this. Individual members doing what they can to change a bit of space around them for the better. So well done, Weldworks and uh, Station 26. Um, and I hope to see more and more of this stuff rolling out in the future. Good job, team. Yay, beardy white guys. <laughs> and lay off the flannels. <laughs> You're just upset because I just described you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It hit close to home, okay? Speaking of hitting close to home, Tyler, what's next? <laughs> well, Super Bowl's a great time of year for this podcast because somehow or another, AB Bev always does something. That's going to get them in trouble or get them in a courtroom. Which is, I mean, so surprising as we reported, um, I think it was last uh, last week or the week before. No, it was last week. ABN Bev was sort of kind of, if you'll excuse the pun, punting um, um, as far as Budweiser goes. Usually it's Budweiser that uh, comes out. With True. their with their dick a swinging to uh, uh, to uh, 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 piss off the uh, craft beer community or to piss off Molson Coors or just generally behave like dicks. Um, and also, know, they... I did find it funny that Anheuser Busch, the company, ran just a generic Anheuser Busch commercial that had Budweiser plastered all over it. So I was like, you didn't run an ad for Budweiser, but you ran one for Anheuser-Busch, so Budweiser still had screen time. I mean, I think we, as we described, they were almost running an ad about the fact they weren't running an ad. So yep. it was, listen, it's it's an improvement of brewed, brewed the hard way, okay? It's an improvement. <laughs> well, so if you haven't heard, Michelob Ultra now has an organic seltzer. <laughs> I hadn't heard because I like myself. <laughs> Actually, I can't believe I'm about to say this on this podcast. I tried one the other day in an account. And? Fucking delicious. Not accept just acceptable, but fucking delicious? Yeah. It was their cucumber lime. So this it has tasted... been it's all beer. Um, I'm, I was very sad to lose Tyler. Um, <laughs> I, it's it's a shame what happened to him. Um, uh, but uh, but we'll be doing. I guess it'll be just you and me in this podcast for now on. Just you, the listener, and me trying to find some meaning in this horrible life uh, alone <laughs> forever now. <laughs> it tasted just like cucumber water. I, cucumber water has its place. Nail salon, okay. Um, you know that little that that little uh, 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 space in the hotel where I go for NABA every year, um, and I stumble down hungover as fuck. Yeah, absolutely. it's refreshing, Jeremy. But I don't want to. It has its place, but really, we're gonna add, okay. All right, that's what you're gonna get yeah. drunk off. Of. You're gonna get drunk off cucumber water. That's no. It's also only 4% alcohol, so it's basically hard to get drunk off that. What's, that, so, what's, the, what's the percentage of alcohol that you're drinking now? What is the Montucky? I want to say five, five and a half. So of a percentage, I mean, but most 
most of your domestic beers are four or four and a half percent. People absolutely get drunk on them. I have evidence um, before they took cops off the air. <laughs> uh, but so in their newest ad campaign, they advertised Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer as the only national USDA certified organic hard seltzer. Ooh, was it was it the only one, Tyler? No! Uh, an Oregon federal judge um, just ruled that this claim is both false and misleading to consumers. Uh, on February 2nd, Oregon-based Susie Brewing Company filed a lawsuit against the beer giant for false advertising uh, because they are... A USDA certified organic hard seltzer. Uh, AB InBev's uh, whole defense on this um, is we said it's the only national USDA certified organic hard seltzer. Did you know? Did you really? Was national on there? It it was. Okay. uh, but the lawyer for Susie Brewing goes, it's where they put the national. Technically, the USDA certification is a national certification. So the fact that Susie's Brewing had this before Michelob Ultra, even though they only distribute to, I think the article said 12 states, they still have a national certification. If And... Let me see if I can find it. The lawyer says uh, AB InBev's also trying to argue that it would just cost way too much money to remove the words first or only or to rearrange the sentences. That's just going to be way too much money to spend on something like that. They shouldn't have to do that. You mean like uh, when you uh, forced uh, a by you, I mean, AB InBev um, when well, this. Uh, to be fair, it wasn't AB. It was a brewery that would be later be acquired by AB InBev. But my point is, you mean uh, uh, you mean as hard as it would be to force a small brewery in Nebraska to change their entire name weeks before they uh, opened Golden yep. Road? Golden Road, <laughs> you did that. Now owned by AB InBev. I haven't forgotten Goldenrod Brewing. I don't know how they're doing out in Benson, Nebraska, but you fucked with them, and forever you're on my shit list. Well. So the lawyer said, so AB InBev saying it cost him $38,000 to change all that. Oh, no. Where are you going to get the money? I know. It's such a small mom and pop shop. I don't know if they can afford that. But the lawyer said all that Anheuser-Busch needs to do is change every instance of its advertising statements that Michelob Ultra Hard Seltzer is the only or the first National USDA certified organic hard seltzer. They just have to change it so it reads that Michelob Ultra hard seltzer is the only or first USDA certified organic hard seltzer distributed nationally. (laughs) Gotta add the word distributed. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I mean, the lawyer then comes out and goes, or you could drop. Just drop the words only and first, but you weren't you aren't the only. You weren't the first to achieve this certification. So stop 
misleading your consumers and stop just flat out lying in your advertisements. I mean, that's a blanket statement for ABM Bev, but you know, um, it's nice to you know have that uh, uh, in this specific sense. I'm also a little, I mean, I guess I, I don't know what else you can do, but I'm a little like disappointed, like with the uh, with the uh, uh, seltzery, I guess. In no, it's a brewery that makes a hard seltzer. The seltzery, um, <laughs> that that that's that's all that's all you're wanted. I mean, can't you get can't you sue for some of that sweet sweet AB InBev money for emotional damage? Come on, I've been emotionally oh, I... damaged for AB from AB InBev, and and I have not been misled by them in any way. I'm sure there's probably they're seeking some sort of claim, but the article does have. A copy of the 25-page court order they filed. I just didn't want to have to read through 25-page legal documents to try to find out everything. So, <laughs> I just want to applaud the uh, the uh, the intrepid reporting that you uh, you bring to us week after week, Tyler. 25 pages. <laughs> fuck this shit. I there's like who's and how tos and. Habeas corpus and pro bonos. I laughed at the. Jeremy, have you ever read a legal document? <laughs> I tried to once, and I fell into it. It's coma. about as dry as a ninety-year-old woman's vagina. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. For <laughs> is this a is this a personal? I feel like this is almost personal experience. Ah. <laughs> uh. I could only make an assumption. <laughs> you don't know. Some of them old ladies are spry in their, eld you know, these days. Uh, but I just th thought this whole article was funny because they're going to lose this lawsuit. They basically already have. So either they're going to settle or they're going to change up that advertisement. Uh, but the fact that somehow, some way... Their Super Bowl ad still caused trouble. <laughs> I mean, even when they, even when they try not to, they they can't help but stumble, kick themselves in the nuts, and we all laugh as they uh, uh, roll around, going "ow, owie, owie." Um, I'm, but I my deepest sympathies for AB and Bev for um, possibly losing, you know, nearly. Uh, uh, what you say, how I mean? What, 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 what? How much would it cost? Did you say like twenty two hundred thousand to re, to relabel the the cans? Thirty eight thousand dollars. Thirty eight thousand less than they paid their CEO. I was, I was <laughs> gonna say so. You'll have to give so so one less new car for one of the for one of the CEO's mistresses. Yep. <laughs> to that mistress, I'm deeply sorry. I am deeply sorry. But there are plenty of uh, uh, of of old men who own companies that you can bang that will give you a new car. Um, I'm pretty sure the guy who owns GameStop is flush with cash. Go go talk to him. Ah, uh, not anymore. <laughs> he was like a billionaire for a second, and then he was like, "Yep, oh, it's gone." Yep. If I was the CEO of GameStop, as soon as that bitch hit like 450. I would have liquidated every single fucking share I had in that company. And people would have been like, why are you doing that? And I would have been like, because it's overvalued. <laughs> and that, my friend, is why you do not own 
a major company, a minor company, any company. I barely trust you with this half of the podcast, and I say that after getting into a, a minor flame war with uh, with with the uh, with the founder of uh, one of our major Jeremy, one of our major sources. Jeremy, if this podcast was a publicly trading company, and all of a sudden that share price went up to an ungodly level, and you didn't sell out just as quick as I did, I would be disappointed in you. <laughs> oh, I mean, if this was a public traded company, I, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, I'd sell. I'd, I'd be done. We'd both be in. <laughs> like, we just made a billion dollars. We don't know how. Uh, more drinks here. We're in the Caribbean now. Um... <laughs> Call us Bowers Point! Well, that got into the weeds. What do we got next, Jeremy? Does local really mean local news now? Um, I came upon an article in the Dallas Observer this week. Uh, it was written by Lauren Daniels that made, you know, it, it, what it made me think of is a discussion that people have been having around the bar here in Boise for several years. Um, and and uh, it, it, it's. I think it's. I think it's worth delving into now. Over in uh, Texas, Yingling, as part of their joint venture with Molson Coors, will begin producing. Just expanded there, right? Well, they're gonna be. They're gonna be. They're gonna begin producing their product at the Fort Worth facility owned by Molson Coors. Okay. Um, and of course, the author of this piece couldn't help but wonder: Does that make Yingling a, a local craft beer at this point? Because they do bear the independent craft seal, it is being brewed in Fort Worth. Um, is it considered local craft beer if you were in Texas? Um, hmm. Which, of, which of course, you know, and we have the same question about breweries like Mother Earth or Western Collective. Um, uh, Mother Earth started. Well, in Western Collective is a little different. Uh, I mean. Both of them. So, uh, Mother Earth was founded in Vista, California. They moved, um, and they moved most of their operations. So they still have a presence in Vista, California. They moved the majority of their operations uh, out to Nampa. Um, Western Collective started in Texas. Um, I think they pulled up roots and moved everything here to Idaho. Am I correct? So they never had a facility or anything like that in Texas. They. That is where the founder lived. He had a company contract brewing because the laws are super antiquated. We've covered many times down in Texas. It made it very difficult for him to try to find a place to start his brewery. So he was contract brewing uh, just his one brand, the Guns and Oils. Uh, then he decided to move up to Idaho, found a spot to put an actual brewery, started brewing, and then slowly phased out all the contract brewing to where everything's brewed in the Garden City location. But I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, but I think I think the same question still kind of exists. I mean, my my uh, uh, my uh, uh, my characterization, although not terribly specific, I didn't know that they were only cr contract brewing in Texas. But I mean, mm -hmm. I feel a little bit of what my assumption still stands is that they started in Texas, they picked up everything and moved to Idaho. Well, um, it's like is Ten Barrel local here? And there's, of course, there's the other thing. Ten Barrel is another good one. Is it? You know, they were founded in Bend, purchased by AB and Bev. And at that point in time, a location was set up here in Boise. And mm -hmm. so, or White Dog is another one. 
I, you're right. I forgot about White Dog. White Dog started in Montana, but they uh, but they started Montana, moved their entire operation here. Or do they have a presence in Montana still? I want to say they, they moved the, originally moved the... opened a second location here and then closed that location in Montana, and everything's based out of here now. But for a similar reason to uh, Western Collective, uh, formerly Guns and Oil, because I mean, you think Texas laws are fucked up? Montana's laws are a travesty. Um, yep, and you would think that wait, Montana has laws. Apparently, only when in regards to beer is the only <laughs> thing they've bothered to legislate at all in that gigantic fuck of a state. So, um, and so, I mean, I guess uh, even even more as I go through it, I mean, this actually kind of is a big question here in Idaho, as so many breweries have moved into the market. Um, uh, what does it mean to be local, right? You know. Are you supporting local craft beer if you go to Western Collective, White Dog, Mother Earth, Ten Barrel, um, um, or uh, I mean, if you're if 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 making sure your money supports that is important to you, what should you think about? Um, and so um, that's what basically this reporter uh, out in uh, Texas was venturing to uh, uh, to answer you know what are the factors that make a lo- make local independent craft um, and um, uh, she hooked up with a uh, with a, uh, a gentleman named Brian Brown who runs a website dedicated to the Dallas Brewing scene um, and he uh, and he came out with come up with uh, four factors that that he believed um, would you need to consider uh, if a brewery is local or not. And I'm doing this whole thing. Let's use local in quotes because, okay. I mean, I feel like there's the obvious answer. Is it there? Is it in my town? Then it's local. Okay. Well, it's more than that. First well, thing- it, looking through like my mind originally, I was like, okay, you know, is it it for one? Do they have a facility here? Yes. Okay. That checks one of the box. You know, are they like family owned? Yeah, that checks one of the box. But then when you look at it through the Yingling side, you're like, well, they're still family owned, even though they're on a way bigger scale. And looking, you're like, okay, yeah, that checks one of those boxes. You know, where's the majority of the production would be, I guess, my biggest well, kind of caveat. The, well, here's the four factors. I'll see what you think. The first one is money. Um, according to Brown... Um, uh, uh, quoting Brown, um, local breweries create jobs, and the employees working there circulate the money earned back into the local economy. It's here, though, where you'll find the dividing line as to what people see as local beer. In cases of corporate ownership, not all the money stays at home. Rather, it goes up the management ladder and into the hands of people based outside the state. Beer at those breweries may be locally brewed, but for many, it falls short of being truly local. All right. So, which is a fair point. I mean, um, if you're, if if uh, uh, if the person who actually owns a brewery lives somewhere else, I mean, there's that is one of the defining ideas of why buying local, why supporting local is an inherently good thing because it's circulating within the local economy, um, creating jobs who spend it here, creates a more vibrant economy, and it's not leaving the state. Which I really. That one really kind of just drives right to the point and gives you a definite line in the sand. 
if the, I mean, if 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 the the people who own it and the people who work at it are here at home, um, that's that's it. That's enough for you. Yeah, I I mean that that's a good one. I, I'm curious to hear the others because it's good until you stop and you think, okay, then what would Mother Earth rank? Where they have the Vista location, they have the Nampa location, both include jobs in the local area. But well, the owner of Mother Earth lives up here, so would it be a local here and not a local down there, even though it was founded down there? Well, I mean, I guess we so we have so we have four case studies. So I'd say, I mean, you know, for for us for our purposes, that mean Western Collective gets that box t- ticked, right? That would mean yep. White Dog gets that box ticked. Um, yep. Mother Earth, mm, yellowish. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of money going to Vista. So, if anything, the money from Vista is coming up here. So I would check it for here, but not Vista. So, I mean, there's kind of, that's an interesting point too, is, is Mother Earth considered a, a local craft beer in California? Um, so, but it's kind of like, yes, probably for Mother Earth and 10 Barrel, fuck no. Um, owned by AB InBev. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, so in, in our little case study, uh, the answer is uh, all but one kind of qualify for that. Um, okay, what's number two? Number fact, number second factor is location, or rather a rejection of the the simplest uh, idea of location as are they in my community? Well, then obviously they're local. Um, uh, as Brown points out, uh, Miller was first brewed was first brewed in Fort Worth, but it's not considered local. Um, instead, he recommends uh, looking at where the business started, who started it. By whom and how, um, as Wade Waddleton of Division Brewing said in this piece, uh, local beers made by your neighbors. They live in your city. They uh, their kids go to schools in that city. Um, and it kind of ties back to the first one. I mean, you know, is is are are the are the owners and the workers part of your community? And I I would say. All four should check that box. Ten Barrel, the owners aren't part of the community, but everyone there at that are a big part of the community usually. But I mean, you but the 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 owners of that brewery are not. So again, it's, it's kind of the same thing. I think White Dog, uh, Western Collective, and Mother Earth all tick those boxes, and uh, and and Ten Barrel does not. Well, I think we're going to see a pattern here, actually. <laughs> um third factor collaboration um brown also points out that whether or not a brewery is an active member of the community supporting charities creating social events working with other businesses and artists um specialty ingredients uh sorry this is a quote from him specialty ingredients incidentally are what tend to make up uh to open up avenues for collaboration something that we see when brewers team up with local spice makers, chocolatiers, and coffee roasters to identify products for use in the creation of new and unique beer recipes. Um, and it's basically what you're kind of getting to is like the nitty gritty boots on the ground, hard work, um, you know, making connections with other small breweries, sorry, with other small businesses um, and charities that larger breweries just do not have time, the time or the interest in doing. 
Um, now this one I think is a little bit trickier. Um, what what would you say? Uh, 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 who, who would you say ticks that box? I would say all four. That is one thing I will give Ten Barrel. They do make sure where they've done different events in the community. They they're they've held beer festivals to help fund different charities and do different things like that. So I could give Ten Barrel the check on that one. I'm not saying they're the best at it, but I do think they've done enough to potentially check that one. Well, just out of curiosity, who would you say is the best at it? Or you feel comfortable answering that question? Uh, I mean, I don't know if there is a best. It, it all kind of depends what's most important to you. Because I know Payette used to do their cakes for a cause, Lost Grove, because Jake, the founder of Lost Grove, uh, was at Payette for such a long time. He does stuff similar to that i know mother earth when uh the norco co2 driver uh came down with cancer helped lead that in the community where they did the carbo joe beer and had a bunch of breweries brew that beer and they packaged it up uh and so it all kind of everyone fits in that and then also works with small bars and restaurants um, I mean, my my whole thing right now is I almost feel like I'm so uninformed I can't answer that question because I haven't gone anywhere to see what anybody's doing <laughs> for for nearly a year. Um, so I can't. I mean, um, uh, uh, I do know. I mean, uh, out of the out of the four we've been talking about, um, I know Mother Earth is is especially good at uh, is at a lot of these things. Um, uh, but I, I have to admit, like you know, I'm sure uh, uh, White Dog and and uh, Western Collective are, mm-hmm. are 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 doing those things as well. I just may not know about them. Like I said, it's been a while. And Western has done a great job where it. I I feel Western uses. I know they've done several beers where they try to do local honey in it, and different things like that. So I I think and- all. But also, and the other thing that comes to mind, Ten Barrel. Ten Barrel has unique brewers at each location, and they let their brewers, you know, uh, um, um, play and uh, assimilate make, into the industry in that community. Make something special for their community. Um, I'm, you know, I, the 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 newest brewer at Ten Barrel. I'm not as familiar with, but Sean Kelso, who used to brew there, um, was mm-hmm. the reason that I would pay attention to 10 barrel at all he was he was a fantastic yep. brewer and i would grudgingly drag my ass in there to go what what has sean done lately yep um so so, so i guess that's fair I, on, on collaboration um all four of them uh probably ticked that box so the fourth, what's next fourth fact fourth and final factor is t- what they called quote tasting local Here's the dirty secret about craft beer. Unlike wine, which you could point to like a certain region and describe unique characteristics about the grapes themselves that make it unique to that specific region, beer can be kind of brewed anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. You know, very rarely are the grain, hops, yeast locally sourced. Sometimes they are. There has even been beers where all the ingredients are locally sourced, but it's not the norm. Um Beer is less about the ingredients and more about the people and the processes uh, that 
go into it. Um, and, uh, um, and a good example, and you hear it all the time, there is this beer that people just love. Uh, the brewery, you know, the brewery's been producing it for a while. It's that beer that, that's, it's almost like the beer that got them out of like the Budweiser and Coors and into craft beer. And that brewery gets sold. And then as if by magic, people drinking that same beer are sure that they've altered the recipe. Yep. Um, and this article give, actually gave a great example of why that might not be completely kooky. Um, after Granbury Brewery um, uh, uh, was uh, sold to a, uh, a, a, a collective of other breweries, um, one fan tracked down the head brewer with a can of beer um, from the store shelves, asking if it tasted different because it tasted different to them. And his response was, yeah, it it doesn't taste the same. They had to tweak a few things, um, given the given that the beer was not being sold directly out of the taps, and plus, once it was out of his hands, he had to say that you know he had no say as to the freshness or the storage of that of that beer at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So, what makes a local brewery unique is the ability for people to go to the place of the beer's birth drink it fresh straight from the tap with the beer never being outside the brewer's controlled and thus presented exactly as intended. And so, and again, in that one, I think all of them tick the boxes quasi uh, uh, Mm -hmm. 10 barrel because 10 barrel, I also feel like there were, there were some beers that you had to produce that they were required to produce, produce nas- nationwide. There are subtle differences in them uh, 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 from place to place. Yeah. And, I mean, part of that's just going to be if, l- let's say if the Boise pub came up with this one beer that you tried that was a pub only, and then they moved it to national distribution on that, they're going to have to change that to get it up to scale, to scale it up to a size of a batch. And that's going to tweak the flavor a little. Um, and here's the other idea. I mean, Mother Earth, um, you know, I mean, the same thing. You could go have the Buku, you know, you could buy it off the store shelves. You could go You could go to the their facility out in Nampa where they're producing it. But if you go to Vista, California and have Buku, which I assume they still sell there, you're not getting the same thing, I don't think, because the 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 beer in the you know that you that's represented in the cans on the grocery store shelves is not necessarily the beer that's coming out of the tap, um, there in Vista. Uh, for the and just to clarify, um, Mother Earth, uh, their main production facility is out in Nampa, Idaho, and so um, as I understand it, if you're in California, um, your the Mother Earth beer in cans is produced in California, but anywhere else. It's produced here in Idaho. I I know originally that's what they were going to do. I don't know if they still are doing that. I mean, COVID has probably thrown a wrench at everything. And we'll so. put an asterisk by that. That was the plan, but that also adds an intro, But that actually adds a more complicated question. I mean, do you? I mean, how sure can you be that the that that uh, uh, the the beer you're getting is 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 represented as as it should be? I was going to say, what's at that point, what's the true buku? Yeah, <laughs> the true buku. <laughs> I don't know why that made me giggle. Um, ooh, I almost, again, you're, I almost had to put uh, uh, Mother Earth in the yellow on that one, uh, barring further information. 
just from those four things, to me, Mother Earth almost feels more an Treasure Valley local than a California local. Even though they were founded down there, and that's where they started for their first couple of years. By this, by, I mean by by this definition, you know the, the the definition is laid out before us. Yeah, a little bit. So, and I think I think we've I think we've established White Dog and Western Collective pass on all all four counts. Mm-hmm. Ten barrel fails on at least two. Yep. So, um, and so, what does this mean? I think we've uh, established, well, it's fucking complicated. And the answer is drink whatever the fuck you want. Listen, if you if it's really important to you that uh, your money goes to support local craft beer, then you should keep this this kind of stuff in mind and, you know, follow your gut. Learn about uh, what you're drinking and, you know, make sure you're in. And, but best of all, you know, walk your happy ass down to the actual brewery, um, meet the people and, and talk, talk to, to them. them. And talk to them, and you know, ha- over a few pints, because you know how much uh, uh, people at breweries hate talking about beer over beer. Um, uh, get your growler and go home. If you just want, if you if you just for fuck's sake, I just want to drink this beer and 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 enjoy it. Then I do drink that. it because I like the taste. You're, then. I mean, by the way, if you're the, if you are the person that wants to support local, it doesn't make you a superior person or a superior beer drinker than anyone who says, "I just want to drink this beer." Drink what the fuck you want, but take this information, keep it to heart. That's I, I I we I've gone round and around with many people on what local means. This is as good a definition as I, as as I have found. There it is, as promised in the headlines. The case is settled. That was a game. Yeah, <laughs> I like. That definition, I think it it fairly weighs it out, and it still leaves room for interpretation. Exactly, and you know, and and by the way, it's wide enough that you can. I mean, it gives you something to think about. I mean, here are the questions, and it it does kind of like what we did today. I, I did not go into this, you know, expecting to uh, answer the question uh, on you know which uh, breweries here in Idaho were uh, uh, were local, but. Um, I think you could apply that to your uh, uh, to everybody's uh, own situation and guess for yourself. And by the way, um, I we are in no way saying well, therefore you shouldn't drink ten. Okay, you shouldn't drink ten barrel fucking AB and Bev, but you shouldn't drink Mother Earth or anything else. Drink what you like. But I was gonna say, drink what you like, and someone else's interpretation could be different from and say, oh no, and how I interpret these questions. This brewery misses on this. This brewery misses on this. Enjoy your half-drunk beer debates now, people. (laughs) (laughs) I will see your asses on Twitter, because that's apparently what I do now. (laughs) So. (laughs) Tyler, anything else today? Uh, The only thing I have left is Tuesday's Mardi Gras day, so... Drink lots, eat good food, listen to jazz, and look at boobs. <laughs> uh, you might remember uh, Tyler barely survived uh, 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 last year's Mardi Gras. Um, it's a little bit less of a, an event this year, I understand, though. Uh, from what I've read, it's basically New Orleans is on a strict lockdown because they almost died last year from it. 
I mean, you almost die. I mean, first of all, the almost, everybody almost dies from Mardi Gras. That's the point of Mardi Gras. But you almost died, although you may or may not have gotten the COVID. There's some speculation that you may have brought the COVID to Idaho. I, I mean, I couldn't tell if it was a hangover or I was just dying, so... <laughs> Wasn't that like one of the original stories we did on COVID? Like, people being hungover, like, no, no, we don't have the COVID, we're just hungover. Yep. yep. <laughs> those uh, two girls who got detained on a plane. Weren't those good times. Well, this has been It's All Beer. Uh, as always, um, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, we are all over the place. Um, uh, you can uh, uh, send us articles. Uh, let us know how we're doing on uh, via email. We're at it's all beer at gmail. It's all beer at gmail.com. There we go. Um, I'm starting arguments left and right on Twitter. We're at it's all beer one. Um, Facebook, uh, Instagram. I'm doing things on them occasionally. Um, and, you know, uh, see pictures of what we're drinking, see some articles pop up. Uh, look for us uh, at It's All Beer. And uh, if you're so inclined, uh, you can rate us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Facebook. If you see, like, a place like, hey, let us know, you know, what do you think about this podcast? Leave us five stars because, you know, why wouldn't you? Why, why? That's all we're asking for. It's just because we check all four boxes of a local podcast. <laughs> Provided that you live in Idaho, I suppose. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Never mind. We check all four boxes wherever you live because, you know, that's how local we are. We could be sitting right next to you right now and you would not know uh, outside of the uh, last article's, you know, huge uh, uh, references to Idaho beer. Apart from that, we are totally with you. <laughs> that'll be quite enough for us. Uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. We do one thing here. The kiddo was still awake when I put him down. Let's see how he's doing. And he's looking directly at the camera. <laughs> My child Terrifying. is creepy as fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, but he's not crying. So let's do this shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>